0: And welcome to the One Bad Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Irie Carlson. This is the go to podcast for micro habits. The goal of this podcast is to show you how to create long lasting change by creating to do's you can actually achieve. This is the key that can transform your life. Each episode will help pave a strong foundation so you can begin your journey. To building a happier and healthier life mentally, physically, and emotionally. It's time to take away the pressure of being perfect and to replace it with the tools that will love and support the incredible person you are and becoming. Hi everyone! Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to give a little brief On what's going on with me and also who we have on the pod today. So today we have Chelsea Reif. As you may have heard, she was my podcast coach that helped me get this podcast to its big launch. And she knows all the ins and outs. She's also a mindset coach. She fully created an incredible program for anyone who wants to be a podcaster that shows you the ropes, the technology, but also SEO, monetization, marketing. She goes through everything. And you also get to network with a ton of other people who are in the space. And she even brings on guest speakers. But also tomorrow, which is perfect timing, she has an interviewed lab that you can join. And so there's still time to sign up today. And I'll link all of that in the show notes but that interview lab will be incredibly informative she goes through not not only how to interview well but also teaches you really great communication skills active listening these are things that you can take in as a person to become better within your own relationships in how you communicate and how to communicate effectively, and get your point across. I feel like you can even bring this into your romantic relationships, your personal relationships, relationships with family. It's a great skill to learn overall, and I believe that it's about maybe $199 to $200 for the lab, but you even get to do, which I think is the best part of it, is practice time. So you'll go through, she'll teach you, show you different examples and models, Then you'll get to practice with other people so you can truly have a takeaway and a skill. So that is tomorrow. She should definitely join. I'm sad I won't be able to make it because I'm actually going out of town for Memorial Weekend, but it is just a rare lab. I think this is like a new series she's starting since her podcast coaching has been so successful. So that is that. But I guess a little bit with what's with what's going on with me is, you know, I'm still on my habit journey. I've been trying to create better habits. I actually have been trying to habit track and that has been going well. So one of my goals was to go to Yoga Sculpt for the entire month of May. And I really enjoyed that class. I really loved the instructor. And safe to say, I did it. um, Making it easy, making it attractive and making it fun. So I always put my yoga mat in my car. And then, you know, I go to class. I would have to, I, something weirdly, because the big thing with habits is creating a new identity or like stepping into a new identity and creating evidence for that. And so when I get there, I'm like, I do like this. I do enjoy it because I do, but I have to reaffirm it. And since doing the reaffirmation of this identity of like, I do enjoy taking care of myself. This is something that's fun for me. And then creating a reward in there, which has been going to the sauna, but I've just been trying doing cold plunges. And that has been kind of life changing for me. Like my body feels so much better. I have less anxiety. And even I've been getting like lower back pain when it's near my period. And it has helped so much with that. So I'm just, I'm here to celebrate the fact that I did that for the entire month of May. I can't wait to see what June and July look like. Right now, just focusing on June. But in this podcast episode, we really kind of dive into that. We hear Chelsea's story, which is very relatable and I think for me, kind of a breath of fresh air of like how you can change your life by starting small, and then how all of a sudden you have an awareness to how you change different things when you even didn't even know about habits before. And then how habits have infiltrated her journey now of being more intentional of like what is like the smallest thing that I can do to change my trajectory or to help me step in this identity or reinforce reinforce who I am already and wanting to be and it is it is a very informative episode constructive episode fun episode it's really her and I shooting the shit and we got to be in person which made it way more fun so I can't wait for you guys all to hear And we will talk soon. Bye. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. And welcome back to the One Bad Habit Podcast. Today, we are live in the studio with mindset and podcast coach, Chelsea Reif. And as you know, she was also my podcast coach to get this podcast off the ground.
1: Hi. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to be here. And what a full circle moment. Like, I can't even believe that we're here in LA recording.
0: Oh, I know. I know we just recorded. um, Well, everyone, we're doing a podcast swap today, but it still is so exciting to be in real life with you and to start meeting people in this community. It gets me, I don't know, like the directory of this whole business of being a podcaster and being a coach of seeing that you can find your people and like, Even if it's just honestly on Instagram and online, it's crazy to me how you can really find friends that way and like-minded folks.
1: Yeah, because sometimes when you do something outside the box, like start a podcast, which isn't even that outside the box anymore, but if you're from a small town or something, it can be like, what are you doing? And then when you meet all these other people that are doing it as their profession or as their passion, you're like, I'm not crazy. There's a bunch of us that are doing this and it just feels really good.
0: But something I know you spoke about this recently, I mean, it's something that honestly, I'm trying to figure out is finding those people when you're within a community when there's not really those people mm. and being able to figure out how do you reach out and not feel so isolated when you're in this creator space?
1: Oh, my gosh, that is a great question. I personally have found online communities. And what I mean by that is literally like memberships or courses joining them, looking at who is joining. So for example, maybe it is like a creative camp or something and you know the people joining are going to be creatives. Or you join a podcast accelerator program because you know everyone in there is going to be a podcaster. That's really helped me. Online memberships where I've seen, okay, these people are also in their first few years of business. They're also building. So I feel more safe to open up and be like, hey, I do need help doing this. Or I would love to collaborate with someone. I think, it's not even about finding people that are in the same community as you, but I also think the same page because I've also been in communities where I'm like, wow, these people are 10 years ahead of me and it's giving me a lot of imposter syndrome. And in the same token, I've also joined communities where I'm like, I feel a little bit past this level and so I feel like I'm slowing myself down. So it's a lot of trial and error. I've joined a lot of online communities in the last few years, but there are a few that I've really stuck with and I have found my people. I have found great friends. and. Even online, I think being okay DMing someone and being like, hey, I listened to your podcast. I loved it. I would love to meet up if you're ever in my town or hey, I love your artwork. Thank you for posting. Like if you ever happen to be here, let's grab a coffee. This actually just happened in Austin. A girl last year reached out about my podcast and it was she's like, I never really reach out, but I wanted to let you know I really enjoy it. And we just started talking. And I don't think people realize how much DMs like that mean to podcasters. A lot of us do this for free. And so to get that is almost a feeling of currency of like, oh my gosh, someone is actually listening. And so when she reached out, we just kept in touch. And then eventually I went to Austin where my sister lives and she lives there too. And we became instant friends. I was at her birthday lunch a few weeks ago. I'm visiting her again. And I'm like, This was all just from a DM and from me starting a podcast, her listening and the Internet. So it's not impossible to make friends on the Internet.
0: I love that story. That's so touching to see. I don't know when you take a chance, how that all really plays out in the end of, okay, you know, I can find that community. I can build that community. And it's funny you know, I get nervous asking people out on friend dates, but friend dates sometimes really do
1: work out. A
0: 100%. Oh, my gosh. And I feel like, too, I, I wanted to ask you this. I know, like, we're here today to talk about habits, but how did podcasting, I guess, really change your life? Because now you're a podcast coach and you've built a whole program, like, I see you on Notion and it's telling the story of how this woman reached out to you. It seems very exciting and just a total shift.
1: Yeah. So I started my podcast in 2017 after a breakup. I needed something to channel my energy into. I had actually tried a lot of other creative outlets before. And I think podcasting stuck with me because I have always liked talking. I am a verbal processor. I like telling stories. I like just speaking. But I didn't like being on video or being scripted or being forced to talk about a story that I didn't want to talk about, which was basically reporting, which is what I did in college. So, after a few trial and errors with all these different mediums, I found podcasting and it just gave me something to do to look forward to after my breakup. And so, eventually, after a few episodes, I was like, this isn't just a hobby. Like, I could see myself doing this for a really long time because I was also meeting so many cool people. So, to talk about community, I would interview someone and they would be like, hey, you need to meet my friend or my mentor or my husband. They do this. And then I would interview them. And then it just started to create this spider web of connections where I'm like, this is really cool that I get to pick all these people's brains, hear their stories, talk to creatives and honestly a bit selfishly like pick their brain and learn information that I would probably not learn elsewhere. So when I found that that fulfillment from it, I was like, this is going to be a long term thing. And I just, I kept doing it. I eventually stopped doing it for a little bit because I just didn't have the system set up and I was completely burnt out. And then I got back to it and I really committed to it again. And now it's like my absolute favorite thing to do. And then eventually after I started mindset coaching, I realized, well, podcasting is something I've been doing for years. It comes to me naturally. I love doing it. Why don't I teach people how to do it too? And so then I started podcast coaching and Helping people launch podcasts. And now I'm really helping people refine their skills with storytelling, interviewing, monetizing. And it's just my favorite thing because for me, it's not, oh, great, you started a podcast. It's like, and I think you can probably speak to this, is like, you really find this sense of confidence and self esteem. And I noticed I changed as a person when I started that podcast. I was like, I'm a creative director now. I am someone that interviews people. I can hold space and have a conversation. These are life skills that I can take out of a studio or out of Zoom land and apply in real life. And it just gave me this sense of confidence that maybe it was in there before, but it wasn't as elevated. And I think I don't know that I would have had that if I didn't start podcasting.
0: Ooh, there's so much to unpack there. So my first question, and then we'll kind of dive into the others as you're going through this journey of, wow, this creative outlet is really working for me. I love it. And this is helping me kind of move through emotions and find a sense of passion. When you went through that burnout moment, how did you shift and move out of that to be where you are
1: right now? Well, I think that I, I missed it. So I noticed, you know, I stopped doing it because I had a full-time job. So I was like, this is just too much. I do not have the capabilities to do my full-time job, socialize, be an adult and have a podcast just for fun. Which, by the way, cost me a lot of time and money, like hosting, editing, graphics, it, it was all coming out of my own pocket. So, when I stopped doing it, it wasn't an immediate, an immediate like notification in my body, but it was more of something just felt off. And I was like, what could be off? I'm making great money at work. I have a great job, great coworkers, great friends. I'm socializing. I live in Chicago in a beautiful apartment. Like, I don't understand what is off. And then I, it went back to, like, I didn't have anything creative for myself to work on. There was nothing I was doing just for fun. Everything I was doing was either to, like, get something, like money or a partner or a new friend. And instead of just having a, a joyful, fun thing to do, I was just trying to fill it up with all these other things. So I think eventually I was like, I think it's because I'm not doing the podcast anymore. And again, because I'm a verbal processor, I realized it almost was a form of therapy that I was missing that I was like, it was so much fun to jump on the mic every week and not only talk through what I was going through, but have people to bounce those conversations off with. That had just totally stopped. And I think it just came to me like I really missed it. So I came back to it and I remember giving a disclaimer that was kind of like, I'm coming back, but I don't know what level of commitment I can really enlist here. So I'm going to just post sporadically. And I told people like, don't expect weekly episodes. I don't know what I can commit to. And then it just kind of, if it's funny we're talking about habits, like it almost just became a habit. Like I like doing it so much that it did become a weekly habit. And then eventually I finally did start to get into a routine of posting every week. But it, from the beginning, it's never been like I have to post every single week. There's been ups and downs. And I think, yeah, I just missed it so much that I had to get back to it.
0: I love that. And it's so interesting when you are talking about this missing or in comparison to, okay, well, everything seems really nice and perfect on paper. So why aren't I feeling fulfilled? And seeing how podcasting was like, oh, well, this was my one thing that was just for me. Like it's not to get something. It's really to make me feel good and like dive into that is really powerful. No matter, I guess, what people's passions are to see how You know, choosing one thing for you, whatever it may be, can actually change how you feel about yourself in your life is just kind of like, I think, a testament to that notion.
1: Especially when you when you like doing it and then you also feel like you're good at doing it. Like that was something that gave me this other piece of confidence was like, I like doing it, but I feel good at it. And probably the same for you, like when you were building habits, you're like, I like doing this, but I'm actually pretty good at building habits. And I think I could even teach people to do it. It's this like three tiered approach to building confidence that I'm like, I think that's kind of the secret is like, find something that you like doing, get good at it and keep doing it and teach other people how to do it. It brings a, a huge sense of fulfillment.
0: Yes, I agree. I think it's this concept of it creates this momentum of creating visibility to I am good at that and the consistent reaffirming of that. Like you're saying, like, I'm not committing everyone to doing this podcast like Whatever cadence, it's going to be random. And then you're saying the habit loop of, okay, well, I now I'm just posting because you got into this pattern of, I just like this. I just like this. So to unpack that a little, I guess, a little bit more at that point, did you have or an awareness to habits?
1: No, not at all. I didn't have an awareness of habits until probably last six months. (laughs) Yeah. No habit building, no habit stacking. I mean, looking back, I'm surprised I've had a podcast this long because it's wild to me that I've committed to, at this point, 170 plus episodes that have gone live. But I think it goes back to because it's what you said, it's pleasurable and enjoyable for me. There was a point where it felt like a chore where I was like, oh my God, I just have to get an episode live because it's another week. And I realized I need to shift that energy and go back to what i liked doing was talking about what i wanted to talk about and not trying to fit myself in a box and a structure so when i got back to that then it was more enjoyable and fun for me and so it almost naturally became a habit because i was attracted to it but there was definitely no like time to build a structure and routine that didn't not happen that's still something i'm working on to be honest
0: yeah i think it's a continuous journey oh my gosh because it's like we're always changing Though I'm, I'm really curious about, you're talking about like fitting into a box. How did you mindset shifts? You could have it be more pleasurable and more authentic to you.
1: So in the beginning, I, because I was doing it for fun, I definitely didn't care what anybody thought. Like I, my first interview was with my chiropractor. My second one was with the girl that did my colonics. Like we literally were talking about poop and the digestive system. My third is at the tarot card reader. Like it was just people I thought were interesting. And then I started getting so deep into podcasting, like a podcast junkie. I commuted every day into my work, probably 45 minutes to an hour. So I was clocking like two to three episodes a day of just ingesting information for years. So I learned so much. But what happened was from all that consumption, I started to be like, oh, well, that person's successful. Let me like try to be like them and let me ask these questions and shift to these topics. And so there was a point, probably the point where I stopped and it didn't feel funny anymore, where I was just like, oh, I'm just talking about what I think people want to hear, or I'm asking questions that I think are, you know, people, this is more digestible or palatable. I think palatable. 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 I was
0: like, that sounds like, right. Like, but yeah. I don't like, know.
1: That word does not sound right. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, I, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do because I was looking, it goes back to comparison, I was looking at what quote unquote successful pos- podcasters were doing trying to do it like them. And then that, funny enough, that's actually what didn't work for me and why I stopped doing it because I was like, this isn't even fun anymore. So when I got back to it, the mindset shifting was like, okay, I don't have to commit to anything. I took the pressure off myself. You don't have to commit to a topic. You don't have to commit to a certain amount of times you post. You don't have to commit to X, Y, Z. And I think because I didn't have that pressure on me, it turned back into being fun where I was like, it's okay to talk about what you want to talk about. And I had to get out of this idea that interviewing people that were, quote unquote, not influencers was okay. Like, actually, funny enough, my most downloaded episodes are episodes of my friends, my mom or my sister. Once I saw that data, it reaffirmed me. You do not need to try to go after huge celebrities and influencers. You don't have to try to impress all these people that come on your podcast. It's actually more genuine and real to interview your best friend or your next door neighbor or your boyfriend. And so when I had those conversations, it became way more fun and I didn't feel trapped in a box anymore. And I think in turn, it made my content better and it, it made me want to commit to a weekly habit. So like if you look at the way people build habits and making it attractive and fun and easy, that's what I did by accident. But I I had to really zoom out and be like, why is it not fun anymore? And it's because I wasn't really talking about what I wanted to.
0: Wow. It's so it's funny for me, also. My most listened to episodes are ones with my friends. It's so crazy to me. Yeah, and we there's all this pressure to you know be the skinny confidential or, well, I don't know. Joe Rogan's a bit controversial, right? <laughs> right now.
1: Whatever, whatever. Whatever's big ones, caller like daddy, Oprah. It's like you see these top charts and these people have millions of downloads. Like you said, it's hard to not be like, well, who they're interviewing is influencers and celebrities. Maybe I have to do that, but. Like you said, it's actually not,
0: and that shift as well. You given yourself your power back of, this is me. Like this is my platform. This is welcome to my Chelsea show. Mm-hmm. And tapping into oh, seeing that the people want you and whatever you're interested in. It's so easy to get caught up in the storm of what everyone is doing. It kind of leads into what was your first inkling of honestly like starting small in general and this shift that you're on now because I know on Instagram you know you're talking about like I'm habit tracking I'm doing all these things like how did you get to that now Like, what was the first point
1: yeah that's a great question so we talked about this on my podcast when you were on it was like how you do one thing in one life does kind of bleed into how you do things in the rest of your life And I think the biggest shift, it actually started with like my health journey. So my early 20s, I was a huge partier, ate like shit, would literally eat like cheeseburgers for breakfast, eat God knows what on the weekend, just party hard. And I'm talking like drinking, like binge drinking like four to five days a week. And then this bled over into corporate America where I was in sales in Chicago. And part of the sales culture is bringing your clients out for drinks and happy hours and rooftop cocktails. And so that was like part of the job, too. So I was just constantly drinking, constantly being hungover, hungover hung over eating. And that obviously then did not lead to any type of exercise routine. And I remember just feeling like total shit one day, because if you looked on paper how my life was going, you like I had a life that I thought people would have wanted and that I wanted when I was younger. I was living in a luxury condo in Chicago I was making six figures. I was twenty five, I was a manager. I had a new MacBook. I, I had everything. I could go get a facial, I could go travel to Europe. like and so I'm like, "This doesn't even make sense. Like how am I this depressed and unhappy when I literally have everything that I've ever wanted? And I remember there was a breaking point where I called my mom. I will never forget this. I got off a bus, it was like a random Tuesday, just after work, and I called her hysterically crying, and she's like oh my God, like, did you get fired? Like, did something happen at work? And I was like, I just feel miserable. I don't know how to put a label on what I'm feeling. Like, everything just feels wrong. Like, I, I don't feel happy with myself. I'm not proud of myself. I don't like anything about me. Like, basically, I was tying everything into my worth into like my bank account and like what type of clients I had. Like, that's what I based a lot of my worth on. So I started going to therapy And I will say that was probably the first habit, now even really talking about it out loud, that was a good habit that I built. Was instead of being like, oh, let me just go once in a while when I can afford it. I remember the first few sessions being really transformational. She was the one that really got me into looking at my mindset and thoughts. And she pointed out a really interesting observation was that every story I would tell her, I would always be the loser. Or I would always be the one getting like the shitty end of the deal do you notice like every time you tell me something, you're the one that like you never come out on top or you're never even equal to people. You just always almost put yourself down. And I was like, that's really interesting to have someone tell me that that doesn't know me. And so she really encouraged me to keep coming back weekly. So I went to therapy weekly for a year. It was not cheap, but it was the best investment I ever made in myself because honestly, without that, I don't think I would have ever shifted my life. So that therapy ended up, Becoming a way for me to look at my thoughts differently. And then it opened up the door to other things. So then I started looking into like meditation and journaling and reading books. I know that sounds crazy, but like I wasn't even reading. I was just so busy partying and socializing. I didn't even have an interest in reading. So all these slow habits started to build. And then what was probably the biggest observation with my health was in corporate America, I used to always get these skin rashes, like bad skin rashes. To the point, I remember I got shingles, I think, when I was 24. And that's a disease that people that are elderly get from old age. <laughs> so literally, <laughs> like I went to the doctor and he was like, uh, I can't even like, believe you have this. And he asked me, he was like, what do you do for work? And I was telling him how my schedule and I would always travel. And when I would travel and come back home, I would basically throw my bag down and go meet people at a bar. And I had just FOMO all the time. And I remember my mom telling me one time, she's like, it's okay if you miss out on happy hour. There's going to be 12 more happy hours in the next three months. Like, it's okay. And I'm like, you don't get it. This one is the one that all my friends are going to. I have to be at this happy hour. So yeah, I remember I had to do horrible skin rashes. And when I moved to Australia, started just walking outside on the beach. I didn't have a job at that point because I went there without a job. And I was just like, I'm going to figure it out when I get there. And just walking along the beach and like, Starting to eat a bit healthier and drinking some smoothies in the morning and taking my time getting out of bed. I just noticed like six months later, I'm like, I haven't had a skin rash in six months, which was not normal for me. I was having like monthly or every other month skin rashes. And I was like, that's really interesting. And now I can report today, like two or three years later, I have not had a skin rash since I slowed my pace of life down. And I'm like, I think that was because of the habits I built of slowing down, not being stressed out, eating my lunch actually in a way like that's not scarfing it down in an elevator like these small habits really the whole habit journey started with my health and even now I'm like looking back I'm like there's habits that you almost don't even notice that you built that have that have just become a natural part of my life today you mentioned this on my podcast as breakfast I remember hearing someone talk about how they eat fruit in the morning and fruit was so weaponized for a long time of like it has so much sugar, like a banana is like eating a candy bar and all this like really fear mongering information. So I had stopped eating fruit, even though I really loved it. I remember hearing this person talk about how they eat fruit every morning and I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to give it a shot. So I started eating fruit in the morning and I was like, I feel great and I feel like decadent. It feels fun and exciting. And then I added cheese seeds and then honey and then cacao nibs and then I went outside and it became this whole little routine of like I feel like a queen eating fruit outside with like honey you know what I mean and it it just became such a ritual for me and then it's like one day you kind of just wake up and you don't even notice you're like wow I've been eating fruit every day for two years and that's a habit I never thought I would I told you I was eating like everything bagels and extra venti lattes from Starbucks every morning and it's like, I don't even miss that stuff because my body's become so accustomed to that fruit in the morning. So, yeah, it all really started with health.
0: It's so interesting when starting with health because I really think it's the one thing that we can contextualize. Yes. Of like, I can control this and figure this out. And then the mindset stuff, you know, that really is like your therapist holding a mirror. For mm-hmm. me personally, I need the same thing. Like, I'm in therapy. I'm like, wow, Aaron, I didn't know that about myself. How interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it it's really so wild to have those realizations. I know you were like talking about also when you were in Chicago, mm-hmm. you're burnt out, so many happy hours. I did, I really resonate because I did the same thing. I was like, I can't miss a work event. Yeah, Like Kelly, you can, go sit the fuck down. Yeah. Um, do not attend. But how I guess did you go from like, I have shingles and a mm-hmm. rash, too. I'm in Australia walking <laughs> the beach and eating fruit every day. Like, yeah. what happened between that period you're we like, I got to get the fuck out of here?
1: Yeah, drastic, right? So uh, the skin thing just got so bad where I used to just blame it on, like, oh, it's a d- laundry detergent or it's my jeans or, like, because that's what people were telling me, too. They're like, it's probably just like, your, something in your bedroom. And it just became to a point where you're like, this is not normal to get skin rashes every single month that are. By the way, not little rashes. These were like full body hives. The shingles one was wild. It actually physically hurt my ribs. I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. And so that prompted me to start seeing health professionals. And then I went to doctors and they're like, okay, why don't you try like a food elimination diet? Let's try to eliminate gluten. Maybe it's dairy. Let's try to slow down your pace of life. You can cut back on some of the social events. So I think what really helped me was actually, this is so random, but class pass. ClassPass was like new on the scene. And I remember getting so bored with joining gyms and ClassPass, you could try all these different studios. So I was like, I'm just going to give it a shot. And I remember there was a yoga studio by my neighborhood. And I used to be super into yoga when I was younger. And I'm like, you know what? I haven't done yoga in four years. But I noticed this one was called yin yoga. And I'm like, hmm, never tried it. Whatever. It sounds great. So I booked it. And I was like, what is this class? If you don't know what yin yoga is, it's basically like stretching and napping. You just slow down. You hold poses for like five minutes on each side. There's no downward dogs. There's no sweating. There's no vinyasas. And I remember my brain not being used to that pace of life. It was like, why are we not sweating? Why are we not burning calories? Why are we not like killing ourselves to get this workout in? But because I had paid for the class, I was like, well, I'm not going to leave. I'll just sit through it. But I noticed by the end, I was like, wow, this is actually a really interesting experiment that because I paid for it, I have to sit here and finish the class. I don't have to, but I want to because I don't want to lose the money. And it's making me slow down. Like I can't just start doing my own yoga flow. I guess I could, but that would be really weird. So I was like, I need to follow what everyone's doing is everyone's meditating. Everyone's just holding their pose of stretching. It's okay. And I was like, I'm going to come back Every Monday to this class and see what happens. I just remember that became my favorite class because it was the one hour in the week where I'm like, I cannot look at my phone, I can't check my email, I have to just sit here with my thoughts. And that actually really started um, allowing me to pay attention to my thoughts too. Was like, wow, why are you always thinking about your to do list or if this guy's gonna text you back or how you look in pictures? It was a really an hour of meditation each week. So that slowly started building better habits too, where then I was like, well, this class class thing is really working. Let me book more classes. And then I just increased my membership where I was like, I'm going to do classes all over the city. And it actually became a really fun way for me to see the city because I would go to studios all over. And then that started to change my identity of like, wow, I am someone that goes to work out in different parts of the city. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like when you move to a city, you have this idea of I'm going to be this girl with like a water bottle and leggings, walking to Pilates class, with my green smoothie. But that but again, because I was someone who was eating like cheeseburgers in the morning, uh, partying five nights a week, I never identified as that person. But that class pass journey started to kind of like almost make me into that identity of you are someone that goes to yoga three times a week. You do actually go around city studios and work out. So slowly and surely, I just built that habit. And then, I mean, honestly, because you lose money, too, that was really motivating. was <laughs> like, I do not want to lose $15 for not showing up. So it just became a really great way for me to get out of my comfort zone and start exercising more. And then I think it's kind of with anything with health. Once you start doing one thing, it trickles everywhere. So then you're like, okay, well, I just did a 45 minute hit class. I don't really want to go eat whatever a a double cheeseburger with bacon. I want to go have salad. And it just helped me eat better and make better choices. And then eventually, I think because I started getting more clear headed and more observant of my thoughts, it did lead me to this path of like, am i actually happy at work and we talked about this on my podcast of oftentimes we just accept the job's great i get paid well my coworkers are great i like my boss i'll just stay but there was this period where i noticed i was always happiest when i traveled and took my pto and it kind of just hit me one day where i'm like this is the rest of your life you're never going to be able to take any more pto than you do now maybe 7 more days let's say But it just hit me of like this, there's no secret to this, like you're going to work and you get X amount of PTO days and that's it. And it kind of just hit me like a brick where I'm like, that's very sobering to realize these fun adventures that I have. I only am able to do them 7 to 14 days of 365. So then the idea of maybe leaving and doing my own thing started to become more of a reality. And again, I think because I had more clarity in these classes of slowing down and I was eating better and paying more attention to the signals in my body, that message just started getting louder and louder, where one day it was just too hard to ignore, where I'm like, I cannot sit here. And by the way, my job was in content creation and influencer marketing. And so as someone who came from a creative background, I actually went to school for digital media and storytelling and broadcast journalism. And so I always came from that world of like digital content creation to be sitting there and watching all these people make a living out of content creating, I was like, what am I doing sitting here on a computer all day looking at them? I could be doing this. And I think with that clarity that I got with my health, it became clear with my job too. Like, I need to do something for myself. I know I love traveling. I know I love creating content. I love podcasting. How can I combine those all together? And I ended up applying for a visa in Australia because it's actually the easiest one to get if you're under 30, by the way. So if Anyone listening is under 30 and you want to go to Australia, look for the working holiday visa. It's so easy to get. And I talked to friends over there that had moved there and they're like, you would love it. Like the pace of life is incredible. Everyone is so free spirited and open minded. Like the content creation is amazing here. There's a podcast studios. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I applied for the visa. I saved up for an entire year before I even went there. And then I just left. And because I had the money to not work for a few months, that gave me even more clarity of like what I wanted to do. But yeah, that's how I went from having shingles eating, you know, hibachi at 11 a.m. to finally walking on the beach in Australia and like slowing down my pace of life.
0: Wow. Um, that's inspiring also. And I didn't know it was so easy to get an um, Australian work oh, pizza. It visa. takes two
1: seconds. You literally apply. And I'm not kidding. Within the same minute, it got approved.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. So within this story, there's so much. My first question really is, so when you started doing ClassPass, oh, I wanted to say that ClassPass is so Aquarius of you.
1: Oh, really? I'm like, oh.
0: My, my best friend, she's an Aquarius, and she's like, I just want to be able to do all the things. Yes. And so I just feel like ClassPass is awesome because you, you can. Yes. And have all those offerings with yin yoga, I actually just started doing yin yin yoga. It's so amazing. Amazing. How did that, you said the message started getting louder of this clarity of, okay, these are the things I really want. And you were having these true expanders because of your job of saying, okay, I can't have it. It's not out of my reach. And like having that constant mindset shift with almost, I feel like your career was meant to be in your story Mm -hmm. because of that messaging. But how did that hour of meditation bleed into other facets of your life? Where it really allowed that inner voice to grow?
1: Yeah, I think I. What first comes to mind is like my bodily cues literally became louder. I I actually thought it was normal that everyone would have like stomach aches and burp after they ate. <laughs> I'm like that's just normal. Like everyone just accidentally eats too much and that's fine. And then I remember one day it's actually on vacation. I went to. A family vacation and I had the worst stomach ache that I literally couldn't go out to eat dinner. I was like, I actually think I'm going to like throw up. I have to stay in bed. And I'm like, that's not normal. You shouldn't eat and feel like you're going to die. So I'm like, "Um, that needs to change. And so my bodily cues, I just started listening like, okay, when I'm scarfing down my bagel and coffee in the morning in the elevator, I feel like shit. And I actually produce really horrible work and I'm not meeting deadlines and I'm doing a bad job. Like you just start to be more observant. So literally my bodily cues, noticing my own life where things were just going a little haywire and then trying to trace it back to like, oh yeah, well you did, again, you didn't eat at a certain time or you were eating too fast. I, I became really cognizant of eating and what I was fueling myself with. And then because I was becoming more mindful, I was also just noticing more of like human behavior and how people spoke to each other and reactions and you have to remember too, at this time, I'm listening to all these podcasts, all these audiobooks. like I'm ingesting so much information around psychology and communication. And so I just even started observing in my own life with sales, like how people connect and how my coworkers connect and what happens when there's an, uh, you know, a conflict. And I just became really mindful of how people communicate. And so I remember very specifically, there was this meeting with a huge brand that I worked with and their agency in New York. And Again, if you look on paper, it's like, wow, she's working in New York City with an agency on this huge brand deal. But we go to lunch and these people are just like, yeah, have you seen the recent campaign? It sucks. The content is so bad. And I'm like, that's like a really weird way to approach the situation of feedback. And there was just this moment where I'm like, I don't have to do this. Why am I here in New York basically being berated by these people that we did an incredible campaign for? And. And then I kept zooming out. I like to call it zooming out because it just helps me visualize. I kept zooming out and zooming out and being like, I'm here talking about a snack brand that is spending hundreds of millions of dollars content around using this snack at a picnic. Like, why am I here? There is way more to my life than like helping this brand sell more of their snacks at picnics. It was just so ridiculous. I just remember being at that meeting being like, I can't be here anymore. So when I say that message got louder, it was literally my intuition and my body being like, screw this, like you don't have to be here. And I don't know that I would have had that level of awareness or like, yeah, I think awareness is the word. I think if you would have talked to me three years before that, I would have been like, oh, let me fix this at all costs. Like, I need to keep my job. Let me work with them. And I remember leaving that meeting. I can't wait to quit this job. I am so over this field, this stupidity around advertising that we have hundreds of millions of dollars and we're spending it on snack brand. It just all clicked drum. There's a bigger purpose to life. So, yeah, I think when I say the message got louder, it was literally with my body. And then my intuition was just like screaming at me at times.
0: It sounds like your body was literally is just rejecting it. Yes. Like, absolutely not. This is some bad juju, bad
1: energy. Yes,
0: And it's so like, it's so hard to be around that all the time.
1: Oh, yeah. That was my day to day was like all the time responding to like mean emails, stressed out clients, people were pissed off. And I'm like, this is not normal to like constantly be stressed out 24 seven.
0: Yeah, it's so hard on the, like, I I just really resonate with my old job being in accounting. It was, it's so taxing to have to mitigate everyone's emotions all the time. And then also being overworked yourself and trying to check in. It's like, it feels like there's no room in how you take care of you.
1: Zero. There's no regulation period. Actually, this is interesting because now that I've started my own business, I've seen how much the habits of corporate America have played into my like, day-to-day operations. For example, I remember I worked in a really small office. And if you came in at like 9.15, people would kind of give you looks like, oh, it's 15 minutes late. And then you would go take your lunch break. And you could tell people would be looking like, okay, she's leaving at 12. She better be back at 1. If you came in at one o five, I remember one time I came back at 1.15 because the lunch was just taking too long. And a coworker was texting me like, are you okay? You've been gone for a while. And I'm like, I've been gone for an hour and 15 minutes. Sorry, it's not an hour. And that level of tracking me and constantly like being on my ass about time and I can't enjoy 15 minutes extra of a lunch break. Like you said, it turned into overwork. It turned into resentment. It turned into burnout. And eventually that's what led me to quit. But like you said, that's that's very common in a lot of corporate offices is like you work, 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 work. And you can play on the weekend.
0: Yes. So, I want to shift a little bit of how did since branching out and like building your business, how did habits play a role into regulating your nervous system and choosing actions that really support you?
1: I think habits gave me a sense of awareness of just what wasn't working and what was. So, when I started. When I started like really getting on the habit train, it was probably after my most recent breakup. And to backtrack a little bit, I after Germany, or not after Germany, after Australia, I met a German, we lived in Germany, and we were in lockdown the entire year. I think there was like two weeks where they opened things up and they just shut it back down again. So when you're forced to be inside, the only thing you can do is basically work or take a walk outside. There were no clothing stores open, no restaurants open. You could only get takeout. Uh, We lived in a really small, boring town. I didn't speak the language. I didn't have friends. There was nothing I could do except work on my business and kind of observe like what worked and what didn't in my life. So in a way, I'm kind of grateful for that year because it like I was almost forced to slow down and be like, okay, like, let's see what's working and what's not. So then when the breakup happened, I was like, I need to go fill my cup up. I need to go get back to normal. And I started traveling. And then when I got back home after that, I realized, okay, you can't travel every day that you want to escape something. You need to build good habits in your day to day and make your day feel like a vacation. And so that's when I was like, let me again start small. Let me start with the fruit bowl thing. So I started eating my fruit outside again at home instead of the way I used to do it in Australia. And then I was like, well, what made me happy in Australia? It was always walks in the sunshine. Okay, let me start, go, go take walks in the sunshine, but in Florida, let me go take my dog out. What also made me happy was yoga. Oh, okay, let me go find a yoga studio. So I was trying to almost just mimic and replicate what made me happy in Australia and do it back home. And so I think that started my habit tracking journey because I was like okay things are feeling a bit better but I moved back home with my family which is a whole different dynamic when you're 31 and you have your own business and everyone's working from home and I was like I have to find that regulation space kind of like we're talking about in corporate America like you don't have a space to just regulate yourself that's kind of how I felt back home and I'm like I need to find like regulation time that's what I would almost call it so then I was like you know what let me try this habit tracking thing. My sister read Atomic Habits and like changed her whole life. My brother did the same thing. I'm like, clearly something was working from this book. And by the way, I haven't even ever finished the book, but I got far enough where I'm like, uh, I changed my life enough to know that this book has helped me a lot. So then I started habit tracking little things like movement. And I don't care if it was a 10 minute Pilates workout that that I didn't even sweat. I was like, it doesn't matter. It's getting checked off. And then I would track writing. It doesn't even matter if I wrote one paragraph of an email, I counted it as writing. So it just started to help me slowly build this identity back up that I had kind of lost in lockdown and breakups and all these things of like, yeah, I am a creative person. I am a healthy person. I am a resourceful person. And so that habit tracking really started to give me confidence again. And I don't even know if I'm answering your question, but I think habit tracking helped me come back to a sense of self and being like, I'm not out of control. I'm not, you know, we make up all these stories about ourselves. I'm not this person. I'm not. that. I'm like, no, I actually do have a lot going for me and tracking. It helps me reinforce that identity.
0: Yes. And no, you, you answered the question perfectly. It's funny. I know we talked about this before we went on. I, even though this is a habits podcast, I have never habit tracked. I didn't start to even try to habit track until I saw you posting about habit tracking. I was like, holy shit, maybe that's something I should really look into. And I wanna ask you, cause this is something for me where like I'm not always good about writing things down. How do you make it something that is, I guess, fun and that you want to do and that you even remember to write down and check off?
1: Yeah. Well, I, that was trial and error too, where I was like, oh, I'll try it in a notebook, but I'm like, as you see a notebook right in front of me, I write so much shit in notebooks that I'm like, that got lost real quick. And then I thought about the whole thing that James Clear and people that talk about habits are like, make it attractive and make it fun and make it easy. Okay, well, what's easy for me? And what would I see every day? Probably a poster board. And I thought literally about kindergarten. And it clicked of like, kids love going in class and seeing the gold stars and seeing their name progress and commit to something. I'm like, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I don't know why we don't do that as adults more is give ourselves these gold stars on posters. So that's what I did. I got a poster board. I went to Dollar General, got a poster board. And instead of calling it habit tracking, I actually think that's a really boring name. I was like, I'm going to call it Operation Glow Up. And I'm like, this is a glow up in all areas of my life, mentally, physically, emotionally. And I broke it out into months. And then I had my reading tracker, my writing tracker, my movement tracker, and then I even had different colors. I put stars on it. It literally looks like a little kid's poster board. But I'm like, it is so big. It's in my face. It's literally right next to my bed. So like you said, I it's almost impossible to forget to check it off because it's right there. And after one month of doing it, it literally became a habit that it's actually weird now to miss a day. I remember we were traveling with my family and it, it wasn't an obsessive thing. It was just more of my body notice. It's like, wait, we haven't done that thing we usually do. Like you usually read around this time, usually work out. And then I actually booked a few yoga classes when I was in Austin because it became such a habit where I'm like, that's interesting. I don't think if you would have talked to me seven years ago when I was in my party girl phase that I would be booking yoga classes on my family vacation. But it became such a habit from that huge poster board and tracking it was almost inevitable. So yeah, that's what I did. And then anytime I want to build a new habit now, I pretty much do that. I try to make it on a huge poster board and make it really pretty call it something fun like make it yours and you'll be more inclined to want to do it
0: i that's really helpful i mean i think for the audience also for me of just seeing of how you actually constructively make it easy and obvious and attractive and that it could literally be as easy of we're just going to put this right next to your bed and get the gold stars and you know, show yourself I'm winning, like I did that yes. and taking a look at things. How has that process really changed, I guess, your identity or yeah, your perspective on different things within yourself or maybe even
1: in the outside world? It's changed so much because for the longest time in my 20s, honestly, even until the last few years, I just identified with this person that's like party girl, wishy washy, impulsive, like whatever, free spirited. And to be honest, I liked that identity. I was like, I like that people think I'm like this fun, free spirited, carefree girl. And I mean, I still do. But there became a point where I started to identify that with also being like lazy and non committal and can't see things through and like, bad at executing, which was funny because. I have all this evidence that that wasn't true. But because I never tracked it, I just like didn't know. So, especially the period where I was not eating healthy and just eating horribly and sleeping horribly and partying all the time, of course, it's hard to believe that you're a healthy person. So, what habit tracking did was slowly start to reinforce that identity. And then it's something that honestly, it's like you don't even notice it until people call it out for you. Where I remember this is such a random story, but my sister and I go to the same, facialist and the facialist was asking about me and then she's like oh yeah I Chelsea about this new health store I think she would love it cuz she's such a healthy person and I'm like huh someone thinks I'm a healthy person and then my sister's like why is that surprising to you like I think the same thing I'm like you think I'm a healthy person and then someone else said the same thing They're like yeah I consider you like pretty healthy I'm like what like it's just even now I'm like it is really hard for me to identify with that because for 10 years plus I just never identified as that so now the habit tracking It helps me build evidence because it's literally written in front of me. Like, how could you not believe it? You just committed to 30 days of movement. You just drink three glasses of water in the morning. When you see it in front of you, it's pretty hard for your brain to deny it. So it helped me shift my identity into being someone that's healthy and someone that is committal and does see things through. It's like, how could I ignore the fact that there's 30 X's right in front of me for completing a month of something? You can't ignore that. I think our brains love evidence. We love seeing progress and we love completing a task. So I think that's what habit tracking has helped me do is be like, if I have days where I'm like, oh, I don't believe I'm a healthy person. It's like, go look at your board. It does show that you're pretty healthy or at least making very healthy choices and habits. And it's also helped me when I when I'm away from that board now, too, because I think what could happen for someone like me is you could become obsessed with like, I need my board everywhere. I need to like track everything. I think because it's now just become such a habit that now when I travel, well, go think of the board in your head. Like what would a healthy person do right now? What choices would they make? So I don't feel like, oh, I'm not that, per- I'm only that person at home, but I'm not that person outside of my house because that was something that I feared. It was like, am I just doing this well because I'm at home and I have nothing else to do? Or am I actually someone that's a healthy person outside of the board and being at how house- the tracking board and then being at home? So yeah, now that I'm traveling, I'm like, clearly the tracking was working because I've been making way healthier choices. I've been walking more. I've been exercising. And I'm like, that's not random. That is because I was tracking it and it helped me identify that healthy person persona. And it's like, yeah, you are actually pretty healthy. So yeah, it's changed a lot for me.
0: Wow. That's so powerful. It's so funny, the stories we tell ourselves. And I think that it really is a constant battle of building that evidence until. I feel like in some things, like we reach a point, but I think in every person, there's like that thing that feels harder to step into. And it's like, it might be like a lifelong reinforcement. I definitely have things like that in my life or honestly with the healthy person thing of, I think I need to constantly reinforce this because of this, the comparison in context thing that where we view other people who have already gotten there.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I have two or three more questions yeah. as we're winding down but as you're on your habit tracking journey or even if in that 30 days of movement how did you stay motivated in moments of potentially self doubt or when looking at other people's journeys
1: mm so i had to stop looking at other people's journeys so i literally unfollowed or muted like health influencers wellness influencers any content that of that nature i was just like It's going to trigger me. And I'm not afraid to say that. Like, yes, I will get insecure if I see that content. So first was like cleaning up my feed. And then I actually noticed this. And I think this is like a hot tip is like, keep it to yourself because people love to project their opinions on you. So instead of announcing like, I'm doing this big 30 day movement challenge, join me or like telling my family, I was like, I'll mention things here and there, but I'm not going to make it this big deal Because I noticed when I would make something a big deal, everyone's like, oh, did you actually know like smoothies aren't that great for you? And like, you know, you actually should be working out 60 minutes and you're like, it just gets too convoluted. So I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to keep this to myself. So that helped a lot. Also having support. I can't express this enough. It sounds like I've done this all by myself. I always have a team of helpers that you will see or not see, whether that is in work. Like I have four team members, like contractors right now that work for me. So that takes a lot of the mental load off. So when I feel like I'm too busy, it's like, go ask my team. I've had therapists in the past. I've had my own business coaches. I've had mindset coaches. Right now I have an online trainer and she's more than just a trainer. I just texted her the other day and I was like, I feel really guilty. I had three huge cookies at this conference and I'm still trying to get out of this mindset that there's good and bad food and she helped me through that. And so in moments where I'm not motivated, I'm like I don't depend on myself to find intrinsic motivation. I'm going to call on my team of support and and habits that do feel good to try and get back to that. And I also think of a really easy shift is like what would make this more fun, more exciting? What people can I line up in my like arsenal of help? For example, with movement. Like I hate hit classes so it's like why would i go put myself in like an orange theory or barry's bootcamp class i know i don't like that i do like pilates and i do like yoga and recently i like weightlifting so let me go find people that i like in those fields so when i don't feel motivated i'll go watch their video and be like cool i love their energy i'm excited about it and then changing my environment i also noticed i was doing some workouts in my bedroom which is like dark no space hitting my closet i'm like this is not a place to work out so then i just moved my mat outside and started working out by the pool and i'm like this feels cool it feels like i'm on vacation now when i work out so i think those things that make it more fun and exciting helped a lot and again just calling on a team of support
0: yeah i think it's so huge to ask for help it's like when you see all these studies and everything, the the people who follow through the biggest thing is community yes and having your people to call on and the fact that you created that like on on your own or that was very instinctive is incredible. And in, I think in seeing where you are in your journey, too.
1: hmm. I think that's the biggest takeaway If anyone is like struggling is like, don't do it alone. Ask for help, even if it's your friend, your boyfriend, your sister. And if you can't find it, hire help, <laughs> hire a therapist, hire a coach, hire a trainer Someone that can be there for you.
0: It's so big. I have one more question that I ask all the people I interview. But what are some goals coming up that you're excited about and small ways you're working towards them?
1: Oh, my gosh. So I have a lot of like work goals. But. Recently, I've realized I need to stop thinking of goals as only work focus and focus on some personal ones too. So honestly, like earlier this week, a goal that I'm working on is getting more steps in my day. And 10,000 is what people say, but I'm like, I don't want to set myself up for like failure. Let me do like five or seven. And I'm happy to report the last few days I've actually walked 10,000. So I'm like, that's really exciting. So yeah, walking more, getting outside. And that's how I'm working towards it is just looking at my health app and making it a habit in the morning to just get it done when the sun rises, because it also just helps clear my head before my day starts. So that's a personal one. And then professionally, i realized I haven't done a lot of things just for myself for fun. And so I really want to start writing this newsletter that is going to be completely not related to podcasting or mindset or anything. It's just going to be a piece of art for me to write. And I'm going to write it when I travel this summer. And it's something that The steps I'm going to take to get there are actually like planning it out, the topics I want to talk about, and then actually creating time to write it like days, you know, pockets in my days where I can sit down and write. So hopefully that goes well and that comes out. But yeah, I just realized it's time to like do things for fun that aren't always focused on business.
0: Oh, I'm excited. To receive those I'm excited to I've been really liking this fill my guts one yeah so I I, love this one, I can't wait for this new trajectory
1: yeah it's just like it goes back to that whole content creator thing of like I always wanted to be a creator because I just have a lot to say but when I started teaching podcast coaching that's where all my focus went it was like I, I love doing it, but I kind of lost that part of like what do I want to say that's not related to business and so I think it's fun to have a creative outlet that you're not trying to blow up or monetize or like put into your to your business model
0: yeah it's just for you mm-hmm. so to end where can everyone find you and reach out
1: you can find me on instagram at chelsea rife my website is chelsea that's r-i-f-f-e my podcast is called in my non-expert opinion you can find that on all podcast platforms And yeah, I have some really exciting workshops coming up around interviewing and launching and monetizing. And you can always keep up with that on my website or my social media.
0: Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. I am so excited we got to do this in person. And yeah, I can't wait for all that to hold in your future. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
1: Before we head out, if you leave a review, you'll
0: receive a free guide of the One Bad Habit, Find Your Habit Formula, 5-Day Focus. It will walk you through how to break down your goals into bite-sized pieces, how to find your habit formula or formula for success, and how we can easily show up each week and take aligned action. This is the method that changed my life and I'm excited to share it for free for a limited time only. So make sure to leave a review, screenshot it, and email it to me at one bad habit at, a time at gmail.com. Again, that's one bad habit at, a time at gmail.com. Thank you so much. See you next time.